You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is Stand Fast in the Faith of Christ, and it covers Alma chapters 43 to 52. It's a long one. I was on my way home from a family reunion last weekend, and I was riding in the car in the middle of Wyoming, And I thought, oh, maybe I better take a look at next week's lesson because I hadn't even looked at it. And then I was surprised to find that it is 10 chapters and the war chapters, no less. So then I read the little italicized statement at the top of the lesson that says, it may seem that the events described in Alma 43 to 52 are not particularly relevant to you. But as in all scripture, the Lord has a message for you. Preferably seek it. And I thought, oh boy, this one's going to be a challenge. I'm already a little late getting started, and what am I going to do with this? And then I read the opening paragraph, which says, When we read these words at the beginning of Alma chapter 43, and now I return to an account of the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites, it's natural to wonder why Mormon included these war stories when he had limited space on the plates. It's true that we have our share of wars in the latter days, but there is value in his words beyond the descriptions of the strategy and tragedy of war. His words also prepare us for the war in which we are all enlisted, the war we are fighting each day against the forces of evil. This war is very real, and the outcome affects our eternal lives. Like the Nephites, we are inspired by a better cause, which is our God, our religion, and freedom, and our peace, our families. Moroni called this the cause of the Christians, the same cause we are fighting for today. And hello, (laughs) this lesson is extremely relevant to us right now. We absolutely have been fighting some personal and collective battles for the past five months. And those battles, I'm sure, look a little different to each one of us, depending on our individual circumstances. But once again, this lesson is exactly what we need right now to help us keep going and to help us to keep fighting the good fight. The first section talks about how the battles in the Book of Mormon can help us fight our own battles against evil. And it asks us to look at what made the Nephites successful or unsuccessful and how we can use those examples to help us. The reading this week covers a period of about 12 years. And as usual, I think Mormon went through the records and pulled out the stories and events that the Lord knew would be relevant to the people who would be eventually reading it, which is us today. And it's funny, too, because in the past, I would get to this part of the Book of Mormon and I would go, oh, it's the war chapters, boring, (laughs) and just kind of get through it. But in studying it this week, I've come to realize that there are some really awesome and pretty relevant stories and examples that we can use to help us in our lives right now today. So I'm just going to share some that I found that were relevant to me. There is so much within this 10 chapters and really more than I can talk about in a short podcast. So I just pulled out the things that I found that were most important to me. One of the things that made the Nephites successful was that they were fighting for a righteous cause. In chapter 43, the leader of the Lamanites was a man named Zarahemna. And he appointed the people who hated the Nephites the most to be the captains over the Lamanite armies. In verses 7 and 8, it says, Now this he did, that he might preserve their hatred towards the Nephites, that he might bring them into subjection to the accomplishment of his designs. For behold, 
His designs were to stir up the Lamanites to anger against the Nephites. This he did that he might usurp great power over them, and also that he might gain power over the Nephites by bringing them into bondage. So Zarahemna's motives were selfish, and they were born out of hate and anger. In verse 9, it tells us what motivated the Nephites. It says, And now the design of the Nephites was to support their lands and their houses and their wives and their children, that they might preserve them from the hands of their enemies, and also that they might preserve their rights and their privileges, yea, and also their liberty, that they might worship God according to their desires. For they knew that if they should fall into the hands of the Lamanites, that whosoever should worship God in spirit and in truth, the true and the living God, the Lamanites would destroy. So they wanted to protect their families and their right to worship. They also knew that they needed to protect the people of Ammon, who had made an oath to never unbury their weapons of war. The Nephites' motives were unselfish and out of love. They were trying to protect people who couldn't protect themselves and to preserve their freedom. On our way home from our family reunion, we had a conversation in our car. And my daughter asked how you can appropriately stand up for what you believe when so many people have opposite beliefs and each side feels very strongly. (laughs) And we decided that you need to look at your motivation for your words and your actions. If your neighbor shares their opinion about COVID or whatever on social media, and it's the opposite opinion of yours, and it makes you mad, so you rip out a post about what you feel is right, that's probably not a very positive thing to do. Your comments were made in anger or pride or in trying to prove your own point. And that's not a very happy or productive way to live. If somebody asked your opinion on an issue, then maybe you could calmly share how you feel and why, and maybe you could do the same for them, and you could have some mutual understanding of the other person's point of view. And I feel like that's a really positive thing. I read a quote recently that said, The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. We can do far more good, and our lives are so much happier when we act more like the Savior than we can when we're trying to one-up everyone by the things we do and say. Robert D. Hale said, When we do not retaliate, when we turn the other cheek and resist feelings of anger, we too stand with the Savior. We show forth His love, which is the only power that can subdue the adversary and answer our accusers without accusing them in return. That is not weakness. That is Christian courage. Another thing that helped the Nephites is that they were prepared. When the Lamanites showed up to fight them, they were surprised to see that the Nephites had full body armor. They were all covered up. In verse 20, it says, Now the army of Zarahemna was not prepared with any such thing. They had only their swords and their scimitars, their bows and their arrows, their stones and their slings, and they were naked, save it were a skin which was girded about their loins. Yea, all were naked, save it were the Zoramites and the Amalekites. So if we go out into the world each day without having a prayer or some time in the scriptures, and if we just live our lives without any spiritual preparation, we're going out into the world with no protection, just like the Lamanites. We will be spiritually naked. (laughs) And that is so dangerous in this world that we live in. Satan is just having a party right now, and we need to stay far away from him and his false ideas. President Nelson blessed us with and asked us to pray for ourselves to have the gift of discernment so that we will know what is true and what is false. We need that spiritual protection, especially right now. The captain of the Nephite armies was a man named Moroni, who was only 25 years old. And the next section of the lesson talks about how if we are faithful like Moroni, we can become more like the Savior. 
when the Lamanites saw that they had no chance against the Nephites with all of their armor, they ran away to make a new plan. So at this point, Moroni had some choices to make about what to do. And the first thing that he did was to ask Alma to pray and ask the Lord where they should go and what they should do to protect themselves. So that tells me that Moroni was humble. Even though he was the one in charge, he was willing to listen to advice and he accepted the fact that other people might know more than he did. And most of all, he wanted to know the will of the Lord for him and his people. And as they went to battle with the Lamanites, even though the Nephites were outnumbered two to one, they were still victorious. In chapter 44, verse 3 and 4, Moroni says, But now ye behold that the Lord is with us, and ye behold that he has delivered you into our hands. And now I would that ye should understand that this is done unto us because of our religion and our faith in Christ. And now ye see that ye cannot destroy this, our faith. Now ye see that this is the true faith of God. Yea, and ye see that God will support and keep and preserve us so long as we are faithful unto him and unto our faith and our religion, and never will the Lord suffer that we shall be destroyed, except we should fall into transgression and deny our faith. So Moroni understood very clearly where his power came from, and he tried to live his life so that he could be worthy of that power. He knew who he was and what he stood for, and he wasn't ashamed to share his beliefs. He took part of his coat and he made a title of liberty, which said, In memory of our God, our religion, and freedom, and our peace our wives, and our children. And then he put that up around all the cities to remind people what they were defending and fighting for. And those same promises that Moroni talked about apply to us today. We may not be in a physical battle, but we are definitely in a spiritual battle. And our Heavenly Father and our Savior will also support and keep and preserve us as long as we are faithful and as long as we don't fall into transgression and deny our faith. Just like with Moroni, when we have the Lord on our side, we can't lose. In chapter 48, verse 17, it says, Yea, verily, verily, I say unto you, if all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. Moroni is a great example of how to be. The next section of the lesson talks about how Satan tempts and deceives us little by little. In the lesson, it says, Satan knows that most of us aren't willing to commit big sins or believe big lies. Therefore, he uses subtle lies and temptations to lead us into seemingly small sins, as many as he thinks we will accept. He continues to do this until we have strayed far from the safety of righteous living. That is a true statement. <laughs> and there's a story in chapter 47 that perfectly illustrates this. After Alma had left, Helaman and his brothers were once again preaching the gospel to the Nephites. But there was a certain group of people that didn't like what they were teaching. And the leader of this group was a man named Amalickiah. Amalickiah wanted to be the king. He had big plans for himself, and it seemed like he was really good at persuading people and getting what he wanted. He went over to the Lamanites with some of his buddies, and he got everyone all worked up, and he convinced the king to go over to fight the Nephites. Well, some of the king's army were really afraid of the Nephites, and they said, no, we're not going. So they ran away and hid up in the mountains. So the king of the Lamanites made Amalickiah the leader over part of the army and asked him to go over and get the other group that had run away. And the leader of the group that ran away was a man named Lehontai. Amalickiah sent Lehontai a message and asked him to come down from the top of the mountain to meet with him. Well, Lehontai said no. And Amalickiah asked him three times, and Lehontai said no three times. 
So Melchiah made a new plan. He went all the way up the mountain, almost to Lahontai's camp. And he sent Lahontai a fourth message, telling him that he was almost at his camp, so he didn't have to come down very far and that he could also bring his guards with him. And also, as an added bonus, Amalekiah said that if Lahontai would make him second in command, Amalekiah would turn all the men that he brought with him over to Lahontai. And that is exactly what happened. But Amalekiah's plan was not yet finished. In verses 17 through 19 of chapter 47, it says, Now it was the custom among the Lamanites, if their chief leader was killed, to appoint the second leader to be their chief leader. And it came to pass that Amalekiah caused that one of his servants should administer poison by degrees to Lahontai that he died. Now when Lahontai was dead, the Lamanites appointed Amalekiah to be their leader and their chief commander. So Lahontai was dead and Amalekiah got exactly what he wanted. Lahontai's fatal mistake was leaving the safety of the high ground that he was on. He gave in to Amalekiah's temptations and he let his pride get the better of him. He probably rationalized that in the end, what Amalekiah was asking him to do wasn't so bad. He didn't have to go all the way down the mountain, just a little ways, and that he would probably be okay. But that was not the case. (laughs) Robert D. Hales also said, By arguments and accusations, some people bait us to leave the high ground. The high ground is where the light is. It's where we see the first light of morning and the last light in the evening. It is the safe ground. It is true and where knowledge is. Sometimes others want us to come down off the high ground and join them in the theological scrum in the mud. These few contentious individuals are set on picking religious fights, online or in person. We are always better staying on the higher ground of mutual respect and love. The last section of the lesson talks about how unity brings safety. In chapter 50, we read about all of the things that the Nephites did to fortify their cities against attacks from the Lamanites. They worked hard to make sure that they stayed safe. In verses 22 and 23, it says, And those who were faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord were delivered at all times, whilst thousands of their wicked brethren have been consigned to bondage, or to perish by the sword, or to dwindle in unbelief and mingle with the Lamanites. But behold, there never was a happier time among the people of Nephi, since the days of Nephi, than in the days of Moroni, yea, even at this time, in the twenty and first year of the reign of the judges. I loved how it says that there was never a happier time. The Nephites weren't necessarily living in peaceful times. They were always looking out for the Lamanites to come and attack them, and sometimes they had arguments among themselves. But as they worked hard and tried to do what was right, they were still happy despite their challenges. I think there's probably a lot we can learn from that. (laughs) In chapter 51, there is a new chief judge named Pehoran. Some people liked him, and some people didn't. So they started to divide into groups of people who wanted a king and those who liked having a chief judge. And they had a vote, and the people who wanted a chief judge, or the free men, were the winners. Well, during this time, Amalekiah was getting together his armies to come fight the Nephites. And those king men who had lost their vote against Pehoran heard about this and said that they absolutely would not fight for their city. They were angry that they didn't get their way, and their pride was getting the better of them. So when Moroni heard about this, he was pretty upset. And while he was busy trying to get his own people sorted out, Amalekiah came in and started taking over all the cities. Because the Nephite armies weren't unified at this point and they weren't organized enough to be successful against him. So all of that work and all of that preparation in the end for those cities that were taken over was pretty useless because all the people were fighting amongst themselves and when their enemy came, they were not prepared. President Eyring said, 
Pride is the great enemy of unity. You have seen and felt its terrible effects. Just days ago, I watched as two people, good people, began with a mild disagreement. It started as a discussion of what was true, but became a contest about who was right. Voices became gradually louder. Faces became a little more flushed. Instead of talking about the issue, people began talking about themselves, giving evidence why their view, given their great ability and background, was more likely to be right. You would have felt alarm as I did. We have seen the life-destroying effects of such tragic conflict. You and I know people who left the Fellowship of Saints over injured pride. And you guys, I know that we have all seen things like this multiple times over the past five months. Satan is trying to divide people in any way that he can, because he knows that when we are unified, we have strength. And when we're divided, he can come in and take down whatever he wants. And we can't let ourselves fall into this trap. We need to have Christian courage, like Elder Hales talked about. Put away our pride, be kind to those we might disagree with, and just choose to be happy. President Nelson said this just today. He said, Dear friends, the road ahead may be bumpy, but our destination is serene and secure. So fasten your seatbelts, hang on through the bumps, and do what's right. Your reward will be eternal. In 1831, the Lord made a promise to his saints. It still applies to each of us today. Wherefore, be of good cheer, and do not fear. For I, the Lord, am with you, and will stand by you, and ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the Son of the living God, that I was, that I am, and that I am to come. If we stick with what's right, we will have victory in the end. And those are my thoughts for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I have a favor to ask everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you would please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a rating or a review, I would sure appreciate it. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at ComeFollowMeWeekly, or you can send me an email at cfmweekly at gmail.com. I hope you all have a really good week.